I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, it's design time. So last time I, I talked about design of a set, it was Ravnica. And so now we're getting the guild packs, the second set in the block. So uh, it was Ravnica, City of Guilds, uh, Guild Pact, and Dissension. Uh, so Guild Pact was codenamed Alt, for it was Control-Alt-Delete. Uh, uh, code GPT. So um, Guild Pact had 165 cards, 55 commons, 55 uncommons, and 55 rares. Um, that was the size of a small set at the time. There were no mythics back then. Uh, and all rarities had the same number of cards in it. That would change. We, we realized over the years that, that that was just a faulty thing to do. Um, anyway, it came out February 3rd of 2006. So this was many, many years ago. Um, about 11 years ago. Um, anyway, uh, it introduced... So the way the, the block worked, for those that might not remember, is Ravnica introduced the 10 guilds. There were four guilds in the first set which was, uh, let's see, Golgari, Selesnia, Demir, and Boros. Uh, and there were three in the second set. The Orzov Syndicate, white-black. The Izzet League, blue-red. And the Gruul Clans, red-green. So the way it worked is in the first set in Ravnica, black, blue, and white each overlapped. There, there were two guilds that had them, which meant in the two remaining guilds, each of the remaining colors of red and blue uh, overlapped once. So Guild Pact is the red overlapping set. There is two different guilds that have red in it. Obviously, Izzet and Gruul both have red. So the design was led by Mike Elliott. So I, I've mentioned before, Mike uh, has done more designs than anybody, save me. Um, although there are a few people catching up to Mike. Uh, Aaron Forsyth, this is one of his uh, early design teams. Um, Devin Lowe and Brian Schneider. Brian Schneider at the time was the head developer, the role that uh, Eric Lauer fills now. Uh, and then the, de the development team was led by Henry Stern. Uh, and Aaron was on it, Brian Schneider was on it, Mike Turnian was on it, uh, of Hall of Fame fame, and a man named Cormac Russell, who worked at Wizards, um, who actually worked on a lot of other things at Wizards. Um, we used to rotate people in, so he was on the development team. Um, so, the, the, the big thing about, about Guild Pack that was kind of different for its time was I had taken over as head designer in the middle of Champions of Kamigawa, and that block was kind of already in motion, so I just sort of let it play out the way it was playing out. But, uh, Starting with Ravnica, I did something a little different, which is I did sort of formal block planning, which meant it, the way we used to do it is we'd have a theme and we'd start and make the large set. And then the small set was supposed to pick up on the themes of a large set. Um, but really, we didn't plan out that much stuff for the small set. It was more like, um, you know, well, just, you know, continue our themes and find little ways to play off the mechanics that we already have. Maybe introduce a new mechanic, but... Um, and then we kind of accidentally, not accidentally, but during Invasion Block, we came up with the idea of Apocalypse being the enemy color set. And we saved stuff. We actually didn't do things in Invasion and Plane Shift so we could do them in Apocalypse. Uh, and Apocalypse was very popular. In fact, one of the most popular third sets we've ever done. So when I became head designer, I'm like, you know what? I, I think we need, we need more planning. That we need, we need to think blocks out, and blocks have to have a cohesive whole. And I like the idea that things would be, in, in, like... Within a block, there are certain things that went on each set. That it wasn't like the first set got everything and then this other set just did complicate, you know, evolutions of the first set. So, I mapped this out. I did the 4-3-3 plan. I mapped out which four were in the first set, which three were in the second set, and which three were in the third set. The funny thing is, Mike Elliott uh, had been doing magic design a long time. I mean, he and I both started, our first sets were Tempest, and 
he'd been doing it a long time and he I was trying to do something different which is he was not used to that at all um, and so you know he was on Ravnica and he saw what we were doing in Ravnica and then when he got to Guild Pact he was like yeah I'm not sure we're going to do that which is funny because like to, to try to understand is that just doesn't wasn't the way we did things I was trying to change things up and so one of the funny stories we tell is normally what Mike did is when he built a set was he he tended to start just in the normal places like he every time he ran a set he would run it the same way um, I think the first day he'd always do red red commons was the way Mike liked to do a set um, just because red commons are always tricky and there's anyway he would start with red commons um, but obviously this was set up a multicolor clearly there were like things to spell out we were we had set up patterns that were going to happen from the from Ravnica and Mike sort of started out and I remember um some of the team came to me and said, he had us make red comments. What's going on? And I, I, I talked with Mike. And, like, I had to convince Mike that we we were, this was a structured thing we were doing. And that, you know, we, ma- it wasn't magic as usual. It wasn't, we weren't designing sets the way we normally were. That, in fact, sort of under my reign, we were going to be doing things a little differently. And he had part two of a three-part plan. You know, he had to do the Orzov, the Izzet, and the Gruul. And he had to look at how we did Ravnica and, like, there's a lot of structures that have been set up that he had to follow. You know, there are certain cycles he had to include. Um, and, my, and Mike got aboard, but it was funny that, like, Mike, when he started up, just wasn't in the mindset of a brand new, I don't know, uh, way to do things. Um, so I always remember that. Okay, uh, the set had a bunch of cycles, had ley lines, mage marks, Nephilim, and Rusalkas. Um, I'm going to go to card by card. I'm going to talk about all this, those things at card by card. Also, the mechanics, uh, Orzov had Haunt, the Izzet had Replicate, and the Gruul had Bloodthirst. I'm going to talk about those as I get to the card by cards. So, um, uh, I just want to dive in and start talking about cards. But I promise as I talk about the cards, I will talk about the different elements of the set, including the mechanics, the cycles, and all stuff like that. Okay, so we start with Aetherplasm. So Aetherplasm uh, is two blue-blue, so four mana, two of which is blue, it's a 1-1 one, one illusion, uh, and whenever blocking, you can swap it with a creature card from your hand. So the idea is, ooh, what is it? It's an illusion. What is this card? Now, on attack, it's always what it claims to be. It's a 1-1. One, one. But the cool thing is, if you attack and you got a block with it, it could turn into something else. And you didn't know what it was until you blocked. Um, and so it was this kind of neat illusion that, you know, in order to sort of understand what it really was... Um, it was fun. It was goofy. I, I like I like playing around with illusions. I like when we can take illusions and do kind of neat things with them. And this card definitely was cool. Um, it was messing in dangerous space and that you got things into play without paying their mana cost. So that's uh, definitely a, a little more risky. Although, although because it was on blocking, it, it wasn't quite as... Um, uh, it did make people not attack as much. I will say that. Okay, next. Agent of Masks. Our, our first card from our first gold card from the Orzov. So three white-black for a 2-3 human advisor. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life, and then you gain it all. Um, So let's talk a little bit about how the the deck plays, So, or the guild plays. So one of the things we did with each of the guilds, we did this in Ravnica, we did it in Guild Pack, we did it in Ascension, is we said, okay, what style of play does these colors have? And not just kind of what, well, two things. The kind of things the color does, what does it lead itself toward, and um, and where's the strength when they combine with each other, and the kind of person that likes playing these colors, what kind of deck do they like to play? So what we found out is uh, Orzov is sort of what we call a bleeder deck. And what that means is 
it's very defensive and controlling, and it kind of beats you by just uh, your death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, it's the kind of deck where it, it's a lot of times I'm beating you because I'm sort of slowly controlling things and I'm slowing things down and just I keep nicking you here and there and I beat you in those small amounts. So this is a good example. Um, draining is a popular thing to do in Orzhov. So this card, like every turn, just drains you for one. You know, and that all you have to do is just keep, you don't have to attack with this creature, you don't have to block with this creature, just keep the creature around and little by little just start sucking off the opponent. And there's a lot of, you'll see there's a lot of drain in Orzov, a lot of sort of stalling in Orzov, and a lot of like damage, but slow incremental damage. That's kind of Orzov's thing. So one of the things we did with the Orzov is we try to find a place for each of the guilds to have a role in, um, in the city, in Ravnica. And so the Orzov are this interesting combination between organized religion and the mafia. Um, people always ask me, what's a good example of Orzov? And I, I, used to, I used to say organized crime. Organized white crime, black. Um, and so it, it is a weird mix. It, it is, it, it's as if you had a religion where the mafia was mixed into it. Um, one of the things they do, uh, we'll get to, is they, um, there's indenture you can get sort of under contract where you, you have to serve them. But the tricky thing about the uh, Orzov is those contracts go beyond death. So if you sign a contract and then you die, your ghost gets put to work. It's, it's not like death gets you out of the contract. No, no, no. Not with the Orzov. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they're fun. The, uh, the Orzov syndicate's quite fun. Okay, talking about the Orzov. Uh, Angel of Despair. Three white, white, black, black. Five, five angel flying. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target permanent. Oh, wait, 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 one quick thing. I just forgot about Angel of Mass. Let me hop back to Angel of Mass. Um, note in the template, you each opponent loses one life and you gain it all. It was templated, so in multiplayer game, it can have a larger effect. Put a little more bullseye on you. But I just wanted to note that template was made for, for multiplayer play. Sorry. Angel Despair. So seven mana, uh, two of which is black, two of which is white. Uh, it's an angel. Uh, and enters the battlefield. Destroy something. Destroy permanent. Um, so what we did is we took all of our creature types and we sort of, we didn't put them in... Obviously, there are four guilds that have a certain color. So angels are the white iconic. Well, do we put angels in all four white guilds? We did not. Uh, in fact, they're in two of them. They're in Boros and they're in Orzhov. So, for example, neither Selesnia nor um, um, Azorius have angels. Uh, and, so, and so kind of the, the gooder justice-holding angels went into uh, Boros and kind of the little... Uh, I don't know, a little sketchier angels, if you will, went into, um, into Orzhov. Um, so it turns out that uh, white and black and black and green, those two color combinations, can destroy a permanent. So here we put it in white-black. Black-green can also do that. So um, that's an ability that doesn't go in any one single color. It only goes in a combination of colors. Okay, next, Beastmaster's Mage Mark. Uh, so this is a cycle. I'm going to talk about the green one, but I'll, I'll talk about the whole cycle. So two and a green, Aura... Uh, and it's an enchantment, an aura. Uh, enchant, uh, enchant creature. Creatures you control that are enchanted get plus one, plus one. And creatures you control that are enchanted when blocked get plus one, plus one until end of turn for each blocker. So what mage marks do is they grant an ability to all enchanted creatures. Now, the mage mark goes on a creature, so at bare minimum, this creature is enchanted. So for example, what this, this does is it makes you, gives you plus one, plus one, and then for each blocker, you get plus one, plus one. 
So let's say you're a 2-2, you're a grizzly bear, you're a 2-2 creature. Well, if you put the mage mark on, now you're a 3-3 creature, and if one creature blocks you, you're a 4-4, if two creatures blocks you, you're a 5-5, if three creatures block you, you're a 6-6, you become hard to deal with. Um, and so one of the neat things about this, about the mage marks in general, is uh, we were trying to do, I think they were inspired by slivers. Um, Mike Elliott, who designed slivers, uh, designed, was lead designed for this set. So mage marks... They're basically sliver auras, so that sounds right up Mike's alley. Um, but anyway, uh, the mage marks... So one of the things is... One of the neat things about design in general is there are always major designs and there are minor designs. Now, if I ask back to people to think of Ravnica, I, people think about the guilds. You know, that's a, that was a major issue of what was going on. People remember that. Most people don't remember that there was a little tiny aura theme running through the block. Um, for example, Ravnica had auras with enter the battlefield effects. Um, so in this set, there are the, ma the mage marks, which are the, the main cycle. Um, and there also are a bunch of other cards, we'll get to some of them, that kind of just, yeah, just reward you for having enchantments, for being enchanted or having enchantments. Um, so there's this little theme running through. Like, um, when we got to Theros, and Theros had more of a focus on enchantments, and people were like, ooh, finally a, a block that has enchantments in it. And it's like, oh, no, Urza Saga did, Ravnica did. There were blocks that had some amount, and Urza Saga was a pretty major thing. But uh, even in Ravnica, it was there, and I don't think people will remember the enchantment theme. Okay, next, Belfry Spirit. Three white, white, spirit, one, one, flying. And it has Haunt. It has the Orzhov mechanic. So the Orzhov mechanic, uh, so Haunt, um, I think, in my mind, Haunt is the worst mechanic of the block. Um, the mechanic in Boros is, is, uh, it's bad, it's not really a Boros mechanic, and overall it's not a great mechanic, and it was confusing. Um, uh, but I think, I don't know, either the, either, either the Boros mechanic or, or Haunt, the Orzhov mechanic, is the worst. So here's about, so here's what, let me explain what Haunt does. So, uh, Belfry Spirit, 1-1, one, one, flying, has Haunt. When it enters the battlefield or a haunted creature dies, you create a 1-1 one, one flying black bat token. So the idea is I play this creature. It's a 1-1 one, one flyer. When I, when I play it, it enters the battlefield, a 1-1 one, one, um, bat creature. And then when this creature dies, I haunt a creature, which means I exile it, and then I, I haunt a, a, a creature in play. And when the haunted creature dies, then the same effect happens. Now, there also is Haunt on spells. The way it works on spells, let's say I have um, gain five life. I, I'm, I'm, just making, I'm not sure whether that spell exists, but let's say there's gain five life. I cast the instant, gain five life. I then exile it, and I haunt a creature. And when that creature dies, I gain five life. So for starters, the spells and the creatures don't work the same. They're different. Um, I mean, th thematically similar, which is a haunt creature upon playing it does something, and then at some point when it, go, when it goes to the graveyard, it haunts a creature, and when that creature, uh, haunted creature goes to the graveyard, the effect that, came, that happened when you first did the card happens again. Um, so there's a thing we talk about stickiness, which is things that just, um, or, or maybe, I talk about, maybe I talk about grok ability, is like you read it and you just get it. It makes sense. You get it. It's grokable. Um, haunt is what I would call kind of ungrockable, which is there's something about it that is just hard to wrap your brain around. Haunt's the kind of mechanic that every time I like haunt, I have to remind myself what it is. Okay, what does haunt do again? Like I have to think about it. 
Like, I, like if you ask me what replicate does, I'll sp- I, I I know exactly what it does. Haunt is like okay, how did haunt work? Like I knew haunt worked differently from spells and creatures, and like I have to mentally process it every time. And so what happened was haunt's just not very grokkable. It's not easy to understand, and as such, it just was a hard mechanic for people to under to put their mind around. Now the flavor is good. The flavor of you know that you have this thing and it haunts creatures, and the haunted creature lives with this thing and. Like, you know, the, the general idea, like having a, a creature called haunt that, you know, haunts, you know, the dead creature haunts a living creature. Like, there's some coolness to that. Um, but this mechanic in how it executed, um, I think originally they were going to put it just on creatures because that's where the flavor goes. But then they didn't have enough space, so they added spells. But, like, why a spell is haunting you flavor-wise is weird. But anyway, haunt was not a great success. Um, it was hard to understand. Uh, it wasn't super intuitive. It didn't quite follow the flavor, which has a cool kind of flavor, but anyway, I, I consider it to be a failure. Probably the biggest failure in the block, although the Boris mechanic is, is a close second, if not tied. Okay, next, Bioplasm. It's a green creature. Three green green, so five mana, two which is green. It's a four four ooze. When it attacks, you exile the top card of your library, and if it's a creature card, your creature gets plus X plus Y, where X is the revealed creature's power, and Y's revealed creature's toughness. Now, there are not a lot of cards in Magic that have a Y on them. I mean, I mean as a, a variable. Um, there was a version of Fireball that we made. So there's one printed version of Fireball that used X and Y um, to separate, like, targets from damage or whatever. Um, I made a card in Unglued called the Ultimate Nightmare of Wizards of the Coast Customer Service that was X, Y, and Z in its uh, cost. Although I, was, I did it perfectly to joke about how we make confusing cards from time to time. Uh, and I think this is the one other card. I think I might be forgetting card. I think this is the one other Y card. Um, now, at least, uh, I think this card was, even though he wasn't on the design team, I think this card was made by Ken Nagel, who does love his green fatties. Um, and I think Ken's idea was, I want to do plus power plus toughness. Those are not the same number. How do we do that? I think Ken turned it over as plus X plus Y. And I think it stayed plus X plus Y because there's just no clean, easy way to not have two variables. So we kept two variables. Um, I will say as two variables go, this one's pretty easy. It's like, oh, I reveal a creature. You know, I'm a 3-3 three, three, and I reveal a 4-2. Oh, well, I'm plus 4 plus 2. I'm a 7-5 creature. Um, I'm sorry. It starts as a 4-4. Starts as a four, four. Right. So I, if I'm a 4-4 four, four and I get plus 4 plus 2, I'm an 8-6 creature. Okay, next, Blind Hunter, back to Orzhov. Two white-black for a 2-2 bat, flying, and it's haunt. When it enters the battlefield or the haunted creature dies, it drains the player for two. So uh, you do two damage to a player and then gain two life. Um, so this is another example of a haunt card. Uh, another uh, sort of a bleeder card. So, like, I get this thing out. Um, when I play it, I sort of drain you for two. I then can attack you with it. At some point, you kill it. Then another creature gets to be haunted. You know, and then when that thing dies, it drains for two. So the idea is, you know, for four mana, I get a 2-2 flyer, and probably I'm going to drain you for four during the course of the game. So, you know, that... The, none of the haunt cards didn't have their uses. It just was a confusing mechanic. Okay, Bloodscale Prowler, 2R, Viachino Warrior, 3-1, Bloodthirst 1. Okay, so now we get to talk about Bloodthirst. The Bloodthirst was the gruel mechanic. Uh, if Orzhov is one of the most unsuccessful mechanics of the set and the block... I would say Bloodthirst was one of the most successful. In fact, we repeated it. We put it in a corset. So what Bloodthirst does is it says, if you've damaged the, the player this turn when you cast me, 
through creature damage, through spell damage, any kind of damage. I, I could bolt them. I could attack with creatures. Um, bloodthirst and, in this case, Bloodthirst 1, that means you come in with that many plus one, plus one counters. So this is a 3-1 creature, but if you've damaged your opponent this turn, it's a 4-2 creature. So Bloodthirst did a bunch of things. One, it is flavorful. It's kind of like, you know, if, if there's blood, you know, if, if the creature can smell blood because the opponent's been damaged, it's, it's a little more lively and, right, uh, you know, uh, eager, eager uh, to do its thing. Um, and the, uh, it, it, it does its neat thing. So the Gruul clan is red-green, tends to be uh, mid-range creature-based. It really wants to attack. Um, Boros, which is red-white, is the weenie creature. Um, red-green because it has access to sort of uh, what red and green have access to, including mana, and green has better access to uh, a curve, and it just its creatures are a little bit bigger. So you tend to get up beefier creatures in red-green. Um, so uh, it has a strategy of wanting to attack, so this does a good job of making that happen. Also, it, it does something really neat, which I like a lot, which is normally, let's say I have a 2-2 and play, and you have a 3-3, three, three, and I attack with my 2-2. Two, two. Now, I could be bluffing. There's a little bit of bluffing in Magic, but normally what I'm saying when I attack my 2-2 two, two and you're 3-3 three, three is, look, I got a trick. I, I, I have a trick in my hand, or I'm bluffing I have a trick in my hand. Um, but with Bloodthirst, sometimes you just wanted to get through, and you're more likely to bluff because Bloodthirst can be pretty valuable. So because you bluff a little bit more often, there's more of a game about bluffing. In normal magic, I'm not saying no bluffing happens, but usually if someone with a 2-2 attacks into your 3-3, usually they have it. It's, it's not super common. I'm not saying never that bluffing happens, but it's not super common. Um, but in this set with Gruul, there's a lot more bluffing because bloodthirst matters. And so there's a lot more like, I'll attack my 2-2 into your 3-3, hoping you think I have something in my hand. And so it, it just makes combat a little more interesting when you're playing with Gruul. Okay, speaking of Gruul, Borborygmos. Uh, three red, red, green, green. So it's seven mana, two which is red, two which is green. It's a legendary creature. It's a Cyclops, six, seven. Uh, it's got Trample. And when it deals combat damage to players, you put a plus one, plus one counter on all your creatures. So this is the leader of the Gruul. He's a giant Cyclops. Um, he is... So the Gruuls are less organized. They're the least organized. Um, they're kind of the organization when the guild pack got formed that, like, was probably the last to go find will, will be a group. Um, they kind of hold together out of, like, they just have similar needs. But, you know, they're not a really tight-knit group in the sense that there's no... I mean, they, they have a rough leader in Barbarigmos, and, they, you know, they kind of stick together. But it's not... It's way less formal than all the other guilds. In fact, in Return to Ravnica, we did this cute thing where when you showed up and you picked a box, your guild wrote you a letter. And the gruel was like the only one kind of like written like in blood or something. Like, you know, attack good or something, you know, with words misspelled and things. Um, so gruel definitely is the, it's the anti-blue one. There's no blue in it. There's no thinking. It's all impulse and instinct and, you know, just, you know, might makes right in, in, in the, the, the red-green version of that. Um, okay, next. Burning Tree Blood Scale, two red green for a Venus Sheena Berserker, it's 2 2. Bloodthirst 1, so another Bloodthirst creature. For two and a red, target creature can't block card name this turn. For two and a green, target creature must block card name Fable this turn. So, one of the things we love to do in multicolor is find things where the colors are opposite each other, where they do things that are related to each other. So, the fact that red can make you block and green can make you, I'm sorry, that red can keep you from blocking and green can make you block is kind of a cool sort of parallel thing. So this is a neat thing. We set it up. They're at the same activation cost. So 
Anyway, that's a, a nice clean card. Next, Burning Tree Shaman, one red green for a 3 4 Shaman. Whenever a player activates a non mana activation, it deals one to them. And this is any player, includes you. So basically, not lands, because lands are mana producing. And there's a few other things like, you know, a land or elf or something. But basically, anytime you activate something, this card just sort of zaps you one. And the idea in Gruul is like, you know, less fiddling around, more attacking, you know. And so it plays in the mindlessness of the Gruul. Castigate, sorcery, white, black. So one white, one black. So it's Orzhov uh, sorcery. Um, opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card in it and then exile it. Um, back in the day, exile was mostly a white thing. White was really the color that exiled things. We've loosened that a little bit. Obviously, we had um, we had a Battle for the Endicard Oath of the Gatewatch where like, exile dome was a thing. So we, we sort of loosened up exiling some. As a general rule of thumb, we were more willing to let other cards exile now than we were at the time. So the reason this is a white-black card back then was really the exiling part was white. Um, nowadays, we can make this card in mono-black. Cerebral Vortex, one blue-red instant. So three mana, one blue, one red. Um, target player draws two cards. Then card name deals damage to that player for every card they've drawn this turn. Um, so this is a neat kind of card. So if you use it on yourself, um, it's basically, you know, it, it, it's essentially pay two life to draw two cards, which interestingly is a black effect. Normally black does this. This is one of the neat things about multicolor. But when you add together two colors, sometimes they can do something that the color, that a different color does as a monocolor effect. Now, the neat thing about this is it says target player. Clearly, if you need the cards, you can use it yourself and pay the penalty, but you can also use them on your opponent. And if you use it on your opponent, A, you can let them draw the normal card for their turn, um, and B, you can also sort of wait if they do other card drawing, and then I can sort of zap them where, yeah, I'm giving them cards, but I'm hitting them for a bunch of damage. So I've watched people, for example, do effects where they draw a whole bunch of cards, and the opponent goes, bam, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a few extra cards, but I'm going to hit you for a lot for you drawing all those cards. Okay, next after that is um, Crystalline Seer, four and a blue, Vidalcan Wizard, that's a 2 2. When it enters the battlefield, you look at the top four cards and then put them back of your library and then put them back in any order. And for four and a blue, you can turn it to your hand. So this is definitely, is uh, uh, it is messing around. Uh, the is it clan uh, focuses on spells. Their uh, blue is number one in spells and red is number two, mostly because blue is number five in creatures and red is number four in the, the number of. Blue has more spells than any other color uh, in in any one set. It just has a higher percentage of spells, where red has a, a second the second highest percentage. Um, obviously, creatures and spells are opposite each other, so by having the most spells, you have the least creatures. So from a play style, is it is a very tempo-oriented uh, clan. They do a lot of tricky things, and they are very focused in uh, instants and sorceries. Um, from a flavor standpoint, they're the creative guild. They're the mad, the mad inventor guild. Uh, and I will admit that is it is the clan that we've done the least good job of making their mechanics kind of match their flavor. Um, we always tend to make mechanics that reflect their spell orientedness, um, which is part of their clan. But we we've yet to really do something that plays up their inventiveness. It's it's a hard thing to do um, making a Johnny mechanic because you still have to care about sorceries in instance. So making a spell oriented Johnny mechanic is is tricky. We've never quite done it wonderfully. Um, I'll get to their mechanic in a second. But anyway, here's a good example of a card has an effect, and it allows you, if you want to get the effect, you can bring it back. Um, you also can use the bounce effect to block and use this as a blocker. Okay, Lulling Sun, two white, white, black. 
So it is five mana, two white, one black, sorcery. Destroy each creature with a converted mana cost of three or less. Traditionally, traditionally white tends to destroy all creatures every once in a while. It messes with things. Usually black is the one that destroys smaller creatures. Um, historically, white has, although we're moving away from that. White usually, if it's going to destroy a subset, is more going after the big guys, not the little guys. It protects the little guys. Black loves hurting little guys. Black has a lot of minus X, minus X effects. Um, and black specifically has cards that, like, destroy a target creature with a preferred mana cost three or less. Um, so this is sort of taking the wrath of god sort of feeling of white and adding in the more punish the tiny things that black is more apt to do. More apt to do. Next, Debtor's Nell. So there was hybrid in the set. So this set is four. Uh, these are all white or black hybrid. So four hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. Meaning I need a combination of three white or black mana and four generic mana. It's an enchantment. It says, beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. So, Golgari is the one that does the most sort of um, uh, bringing things back from the graveyard. But, Orzhov definitely says, hey, you know, if you're under my debt, if you owe me, I might call on you. Don't think debt's, don't think debt's going to get you out of debt. With the Orzhov, death does not get you out of debt. And so this is sort of cool that every turn you're bringing back a creature that... Uh, is, you know, has to serve you. Um, but this is a flavorful card. Okay, Jin Illuminatus. Uh, this is another hybrid card. Five hybrid hybrid. So seven mana total, two of which is either blue or red. Uh, it's a three five Jin flying, and all your instants and sorceries have replicate. So here's what replicate is. Repli- and, and the replicate cost is equal to your mana cost. Um, replicate says I have a spell. Let's say it's like draw two cards. So I spend, I don't know, two you draw two cards. Then I have a replicate cost, which I think is always the mana cost. Um, so it's the same as two you. Um, actually, probably two you. Let's say it's three you draw two cards, and then it replicates for you. Um, and the idea is you can cast a spell as many times as you like. And every time you cast a spell, you get the spell goes off again. So with replicate, it's kind of like, instead of normally I get a spell and I can cast it once, replicate says I can cast this as many times as I'm able to cast it. Um, and there's some fun combinations of things. I mean, that was us trying to... Um, well, I don't know if combinations are term, but anyway, it's spell-oriented. Um, and Jin Illuminatus is us doing what we often do, where we say, hey, here's a spell-oriented mechanic. Apply it to all your instants and sorceries. Okay, Droning Bureaucrats. Three and a white. Human Advisor, 1-1. One, one. X-tap. Uh, creatures with a converted mana cost of X or less can't attack or block. So the idea of this card is it's a card that you can tap to stop things from attacking, but it has to build up over time to be able to stop the bigger things, and it requires more sort of use to do so. So the idea is I play I play it on turn four, because I have three and a white. On turn five, assuming I have a land, um, I could stop creatures of five power, I'd say five converted mana cost or less from attacking or blocking. But if I do that, I'm using up all my mana. So kind of what you want to do is be strategic in how you use it and what mana you use so you can cast other spells. But it's a neat design that can be very powerful, but it takes time to be more powerful. I like spells like that. Okay, Dryad Sophisticate. One in a green, a 2-1 Dryad. It has non-basic Landwalk. So we stopped doing Landwalk a few years ago, so for those who don't know what Landwalk is, Landwalk is an ability that says, so let's say it's Forest Walk. A Forest Walk would be, if I attack and my opponent has a forest, you can't block this creature. This creature is unblockable if you have the land type that's named. So this is non-basic Landwalk. So what that means is, 
Uh, so the basic lands are plains, islands, swamps, mountain forests. Any other land is a non-basic land. So if you have a land that's not one of the basic lands, it's non-basic, you can't block my dried sophisticate. Uh, and this is a multicolor block where there's a lot of you know need to get different colors. You know, it's pretty common for people to have um, base, uh, non-basic lands. Okay, dune breed Nephilim. Um, a dune, uh, so it's br- black, red, green, white. So it's not blue. All the Nephilim are four, are four mana, one of each color. Mine's the color. This is the not blue one. Um, and it's a 3-3 three, three Nephilim. Nephilim are all creature type Nephilim. Uh, when it deals combat damage uh, to a player, you create a 1-1 one, one color sand creature equal to the number of um, land you have. So every time I hit you, every time I do damage with my Nephilim, I get sand creatures, 1-1 one, one sand creatures, equal to the number of land I have. Um, the goal of the Nephilim, by the way, the cycle of Nephilim, there's a cycle of them, was that we wanted to create something that if you weren't really into the theme, the guilds, if something kind of outside the guilds. Um, in retrospect, I wish we had tied them to the guilds. I would have flavored them as two guilds teaming up. Uh, I also would have made them legendary. Um, up until a very recent Commander product, we didn't have four-colored legendary creatures. And for years and years, it was a complaint. And in fact, the only four-colored cards we'd ever done at the time were these creatures, the Nephilim. Uh, and a lot of people kind of defaulted them to being legendary because they wanted to play four-color Commander. Um, but anyway, I, I do wish in retrospect we had made them, knowing what I know now, we'd made them legendary. Also, they kind of feel legendary. Next, Electrolyze. One blue, red. It's an instant. Card name deals two damage as divided as it likes between pl- creatures and players, and then draw a card. So you have two damage. You can divide it any way you like. Hit creatures and players. Go one to a creature, one to a player, or two to one creature, or two to player, or one to... Anyway, you can mix it up however you want it. And there was a cantrip. Um, and it, it was a nice... It was a good sort of little trick for, for is it to help deal with things. Like I said, it's very tempo-based, so it wants a lot of ha- have a lot of answers that can do things. And also, if I attack and you block, this can be used to sort of pick off things that didn't quite die. Next, Feral Animus, one red-green. It's a 2-1 Goblin Shaman. For three mana, uh, it gets plus X plus O, where X is its power. So this is a fancy way of saying it doubles its power. I think I... I I think I made this card, and when I made it, it doubled its power, and then we don't say the word double for power. We'd say plus X plus O, where X is um, your power. Um, but for every three you spend, it doubles, and so you spend three, you double it. You spend six, you quadruple it. You said spend uh, nine, you octuple it. You spend 12, you do something that I don't know the word for, but it's 16 times. Um, but anyway, a pretty cool card. Next, Frazzle. Frazzle Dazzle. This is called Frazzle. Um, three and a blue, four mana, one of which is blue. It's an instant, and you co- you counter target non-blue spell. So one of the things is normally when we do counter spells, um, especially back then, we've been slowly making this exception. Uh, we used to make sure there always was if it was a hard counter, I mean it countered anything, it would have two blue in its or two colored mana at least in, in its uh, cost mana cost. Um, this now technically says non-blue, so it is not a. a, a Technically, it's a soft counter, but it does let you splash this in a lot of decks that have a little bit of blue and deal with a lot of things. Um, it's kind of neat in that it deals with everything but blue itself, so the, the flavor of the, the card is cool. Okay, next, Gatherer of the Graces. One green for a 2-2 human uh, druid. It gets plus one, plus one for each aura on it, and you can sack an aura to regenerate it. Um, note that when you say sacrifice an aura, it is not sacrifice an aura enchanting this creature. It's any aura. So I talked earlier with uh, the Mage Marks of how there's a little bit of an aura theme in the set. Here's a good example. 
Um, so example, this is a 2-2 creature. So let's say, for example, I get an enchantment that just grants plus 2, plus 2 in flying, let's say. I put that in this creature. Okay, so now it's a 4-4 flyer. But wait, it gets plus 1, plus 1 for every aura on it. Now it's a 5-5 five, five flyer. And then I get a, you know, plus 1, plus 1 in first strike enchantment. I put it on. Now it's a... 7-7 seven, seven flying first record. Like, real quickly, you can turn this into a really pretty powerful thing. And the cool thing is, because you can stack a... Uh, like, one of the problems normally when you stack a lot of auras on a singular creature is, I spend, you know, I spend five cards making my creature into this giant creature, and you spend one card, you know, spend a, uh, a murder, dark banishing, terror, whatever, and you kill it, and like, oh, wah, wah, wah. You know, I, all the equity I put into it, I lost. But what this says, essentially, is whenever you try to kill it, well... Your, your kill spell will kill one of my auras, but just one of my auras. So I, you don't kill the creature, you don't kill the best aura, unless it's the last one. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is definitely a card that sort of encourages you to sort of build around an enchantment theme, an aura theme. Um, and, and we'll get to it. There's a few more cards in the set. It, it's, it's, like I said, one of those themes that's not the uh, most obvious theme, but uh, definitely a theme. So anyway, I'm driving up to Rachel School. So the plan on this is um, I have a whole bunch of cards to talk about. Um, doing the pace I did today, uh, I expect this to be three to four podcasts, leaning toward four, maybe five if I get really chatty about something. Um, but anyway, I will continue this on. So definitely come back for future podcasts so I can tell you all about Guild Pact and the, uh, the Orzhov, the Izzet, and the Gruul. You can see what all we're up to. But anyway, as I'm pulling up to my daughter's school, we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you all next time.